Hello everybody and welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, where each time we meet we run down the IT news of the week with a variable level of snarkiness. I'm your host Ken Nalbone and joining me today at Pure Accelerate in Austin, Texas are Stephen Foskett and Justin Morin. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yep, Good to be here. Yeah. Well, let's get started now with a quick run through of some stories that we like to call news or not. We'll start out with the Cloudflare story. Uh, Cloudflare recently priced their share price for their IPO at $15 a share selling 35 million shares to raise 525 million and valuing the company at 4.4 billion. Uh, in the last private funding round in 2015, Cloudflare was previously valued at 1.4 billion. I'm sorry, 1.8 billion. Cloudflare's online services like DDoS protection are used by about 10% of the Fortune 1000, providing services to over 20 million internet properties with about 75,000 paying users, according to its S-1 filing. This was at the high range of their IPO pricing. So Cloudflare as the feel-good tech IPO of the year. News or nah? Yeah, I'd say it's news. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's an IPO that's going to happen, uh, unlike WeWork. So I would expect that it will actually list. We'll see whether or not they actually get the full price uh, pretty much after listing. If they priced it at the high end of the range, then we'd expect that it's, or they were ex expecting at least a bit of a bump. Uh, otherwise, they've kind of mispriced it, so I wouldn't expect it to move a lot. We'll then see what the reaction is from the market after it's actually listed, and we'll see how many insiders uh, try to sell their stock super fast. Yep, and uh, you know, this is a company that has a good product, um, that has lots of customers, that has a real roadmap for the future. Sounds good to me. Um, disclaimer, we are paying customers of Cloudflare. That we are, because it's worth it. Who knew a, a, an actual business model is the road to a successful IPO? Amazing. Wow. All right, now let's talk about a vulnerability story from LastPass, the password manager. Uh, recently, they patched an exploit, initially discovered by Travis Ormandy of Google's Project Zero, that the uh, flaw exposed credentials entered on a previously visited site. The exploit relied on executing malicious JavaScript code with no user interaction needed and could be exploited by directing users to a malicious website. LastPass patched the exploit in version 4.33.0 on September 12th, users with automatic extension updates, because this was a vulnerability in a browser extension, should be fine. So is this a reason not to trust password managers, or is this disclosure working the way it's supposed to be? I'd say it's, this is the way security disclosure is supposed to work. Yeah, so Tavis found a bug, told them, they fixed it. Um, yeah, you said it was patched, right? It's patched, Ooh. September 12th. Let's give it a big nah. Yeah. Right. Nah, okay, I agree. These things happen, they responded appropriately. All right, so let's move on now to a Mozilla story. Uh, Mo Mozilla announced Firefox premium support at $10 a month. Do you want details or do you want to give me your verdict now? Um, I'm sorry, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they're going to give a lot of little features to, to users like um, dedicated enterprise customer portal, private bug submissions, guaranteed response time, and proactive notification on critical events. But uh, we're saying that this is nah, apparently. I not really. I mean, if, if you're an enterprise who happens to use Firefox and most of them don't, then yes, it would be news to you, but for everyone else who uses Chrome, no one cares. Sure. All right. And, and our last story, but not least in News or Not, is about Wi-Fi 6 standard ratification. Uh, the Wi-Fi Alliance launched the Wi-Fi 6 certified program, allowing manufacturers to certify devices using 802.11ax Wi-Fi radios. Certification means devices support WPA3 encryption, multi-user, multi multiple input, multiple output, 160 megahertz channels, and orthogonal frequency division multiple access, or OF... Say MIMO and OFDM, OFDM it's okay. Right. 
which allows Wi-Fi 6 routers to serve multiple clients simultaneously from a single channel. So Wi-Fi 6 standard certification, news or not? Uh, it's, it's a step on actually getting Wi-Fi 6 out the door so we can all finally use it. Um, other than that, it's not particularly news. Well, I, I'm actually going to go with news just because um, from Wireless Field Day, I know that there was actually quite a lot of uh, controversy in the wireless community that there really wasn't a lot of rigorous standards and testing um, for Wi-Fi devices and interoperability and supporting various protocols and so on. Also because WPA3 WPA is a big deal and so I love the idea that they would basically force people to use it. So um, assuming that it's that, I'm going to go with news, but otherwise I'm going to go with a big fat nah if they're actually not doing what they're saying. Okay, so that, there's your news or nah segment. Let's get into the deeper discussion stories now. We're going to start off with a ransomware story from ProPublica. Uh, ProPublica has reported that ransomware attacks have recently focused specifically on managed service providers, MSPs, uh, putting particularly local governments, SMBs, and medical organizations at increased risk for data loss or extended downtime. And they most recently struck 22 Texas municipal governments. So targeting MSPs provides a pretty broad attack surface that can take advantage of inexperienced personnel, un understaffed providers, you know, with, any, with lack of two-factor authentication and remote access tools being particularly vectors for access. So ProPublica also found that many MSPs were keeping proper backups, or I'm sorry, they were not keeping proper backups in place that would otherwise mitigate ransomware strikes. So should this give pause to folks when they're considering using an MSP for outsourcing IT? Uh, no more than usual. I mean, if your MSP doesn't have proper backups and they just fat finger something, then they could lose all of your data as well. Ran ransomware is the best ad for backups ever. So if this just motivates more MSPs to actually get their stuff together, um, awesome. But if you're going to move your stuff to an MSP, yeah, ask them questions, do due diligence, check that they actually have backups and, you know, get them to test it and show you. Yeah, I think that this is really um, more of an indictment of those small mom and pop MSPs than it is of the kind of the big MSPs out there that are, you know, um, the, the whole idea of, you know, why do you put your money in a bank? It's because, you know, a bank knows how to handle money. Um, you know, why do you use an MSP? Because they actually have a staff that does things and, um, and knows things. And if you're using an MSP without a staff that knows things and does things, then you pick the wrong one. Um, I could see it, I can understand where it's coming from, but personally I'm uh, actually uh, pro-MSP for small businesses, so yeah. Fair enough. Alright, so either you have uh, dual citizenship with Ecuador by any chance? Nope. Wait, is this recorded? <laughs> it is. Okay. Uh, if not, then, then you're safe. If, if you do, then I've got bad news for you. Basically all of your personal information was hacked. Uh, in more misconfiguration news, ZDNet, re ZDNet is reporting the security researchers at VPN Mentor found a misconfigured Elasticsearch server with a database with information on pretty much every Ecuadorian citizen, including names, family members, civil registration data, financial and work information, and data on car ownership. The database has 20.8 million user records and appears to combine the government's civil registry and private sources, including six, almost 6.8 million entries for children. So Ecuador has a population of 16.6 million people, by the way. The database was eventually secured after VPN Mentor reached out to the Ecuadorian Computer Emergency Response Team. VPN Mentor and ZDNet independently verified the source as the analytics firm Novia Strat, if I'm pronouncing that right. So are national scale data leaks going to be a new thing, a new standard? 
Yep. I don't know about a new thing. They're a thing. They're I mean, a thing. Yep. Um, and I am not at all surprised that this happened. I am not, you know, I, I'm not like one of those people who's like, oh, well, you know, your data's already public, whatever, who cares? I think it's horrible. I'm also not surprised. Um, and I think that this is going to happen more and more. And I'm sorry for the people of Ecuador. And frankly, I don't know what we're going to do about this as an industry. Um, we are going to pass GDPR is what we're going to do. Things like GDPR are important, and this is why. Governments and companies and a whole bunch of people have decided, you know, data is the new oil. Data is the new asbestos. There is so much data being collected for bullshit reasons, and companies and governments are going to have to just cut it out. They're going to have to stop doing that. And we as citizens are going to have to force them to do it because they're not going to do it by themselves. And until we do, this kind of stuff is just going to keep happening. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Data is the new asbestos. Are you going to trademark that? Uh, it's not new. That's been, I forget who first coined that. That's okay. from back in like 2012. Oh, well, that's, that's a new one to me. I'm clearly not paying attention. I'd like, I just really like it. Okay, fair enough. So do you guys like oxymorons like military intelligence and jumbo shrimp? What do we got? I've got a new one for you. Free Oracle. <laughs> so, uh, Free Oracle, seemingly a contradiction, but Oracle announced Oracle Cloud Free Tier. This provides Oracle Autonomous Database, Compute VMs, Block Volumes, Object and Archive Storage, and Load Balancer for free, focused on getting developers to try out Oracle Cloud Service. These always free services are available to all regions and promise to be always free. Do you think Oracle can win some de developer love with these free services? Nope. Nope. Always has a big asterisk next to it, and that is as long as Oracle Cloud exists. And since this is obviously somewhat of a last-ditch effort, um, I'm thinking always is about six months. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Not, not, not a believer. Yeah. I mean, I can see why they're doing it. Yeah, it's a loss leader to get people to actually test it and try it out and maybe do something with it. But that's what they should have done from the very beginning, and they didn't. And no one cares about Oracle Cloud, except Oracle. <laughs> okay, then you, maybe you won't love this next story. It's another Oracle one, because Oracle Open World is happening this week. And Oracle announced Autonomous Linux. It's an OS that will provision itself, scale itself, tune itself, and patch itself while running. The OS will be, if, will be free to Oracle Cloud infrastructure customers and pairs with Oracle's autonomous databases as part of their overall vision for a fully autonomous cloud. Founder and friend of the rundown, Larry Ellison, said Oracle's focus on automation with, without downtime would differentiate their offerings from other public cloud and prevent misconfigurations. So is the focus on automation enough for Oracle to carve out a niche? Nope. nope. What, if, what if it was always free? Always free and the, the idea behind it is sound. Um, oh yeah, I love the idea of an autonomous Linux. I love the idea of Linux that patches itself yep. and tunes itself. That's totally wicked. Thank you, Oracle. That's awesome. Um, please contribute it upstream. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. Okay, last but not least, we're in Austin at Pure Accelerate. Let's talk about some of the announcements uh, from Pure Storage today. Uh, so they're currently holding their annual conference, Pure Accelerate, here in Austin, Texas, and today's keynote included multiple announcements. Uh, direct memory cache is one of them. It will use storage class memory to deliver latencies as low as 100 microseconds. And the new Flash Array C will deliver capacity storage using QLC Flash. And Cloud Block Store is now GA as a subscription service on AWS. So Stephen and Justin, what stuck out to you as the most significant announcement today? 
Well, they're both pretty significant, um, well, all three really. It, it expands Pure's addressable market, essentially. So they've added products at the top and the bottom end of their existing product stack. Um, so now they can target, like more, I think they were calling it tier zero type workloads with, yep. with, uh, with Optane, um, with the direct flash. Great. And um, tier two workloads with the flash array C. That's so probably cool. more dramatic, actually. If they can get more data that's kind of tier two data and start putting that onto flash instead of on spinning disk, people are going to start experiencing the same kind of qualitative change you get from when you swapped out an SSD, uh, when you swapped the, the disk in your laptop from a spinning disk into an SSD. I mean, who, who wants to go back to spinning disk once you've experienced what that feels like on your laptop? Yeah. That's going to be the same thing in the data center for tier two workloads. Awesome. Yeah, so let's focus on that. Uh, let's start with that. So Flash, uh, Flash or AC, is there uh, cheap, I guess that's what C stands for, cheap? Uh, I don't know. Capacity. Uh, capacity. Yeah. Uh, flash array. And essentially what you've got is a uh, inexpensive version of the main, uh, main you know, mid-range storage solution that Pure has already sold, the, the Flash Array. Um, it's fully configured. It's not hobbled. It's uh, got all the regular features. And it uses um, QLC, or I am told TLC in some situations, um, Flash, because it's cheap. And uh, so if you're, if you're can sell it cheap and deep, um, it absolutely uh, expands their addressable market. Uh, my, my only concern with it is that it might actually erode usage of the mainline uh, flash array because after all, um, if the thing is cheaper and it has all the same features and it's still a flash array, so it's gonna be pretty good. Um, I'm pretty good may prove good enough for some of the pure customers, but frankly, you know, pure is still in this situation where they are growing in a shrinking market, and they're doing that by stealing market share from others. Yep. And this gives them the opportunity to steal a big chunk of the storage spend, and I think they're gonna run away with this, absolutely. It's a, it's a great, great launch. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think the risk of cannibalization of their other product lines is actually that big, and honestly, if I was going to be swapping to something cheaper, I'd rather keep it, like, I, yeah, keep like it we at least get some money. Yeah. Right, rather than getting zero money where they swap out. And the great, I mean, Pure is very clever with their um, their evergreen storage offer, which is basically when you buy a Pure thing, they, they call it the last storage array you ever buy, because then it's just upgrades, because it's kind of a service. Once they get them, then they can just grow those customers like crazy. Um, look, who's going to swap out a storage array once you've just got it there and they give you, you know, the up, once you, well, you pay for the upgrades, but it's non-disruptive upgrade forever. They constantly give you new features basically for free, or it's, you just pay for it and it just keeps getting better. Well, they considered a subscription. And uh, in fact, the CEO was very specific about that in the press and analyst conference today. Yep. He, he literally said, you buy it once and then it becomes subscription revenue and we maintain that subscription revenue going forward. And I think yep. that that's actually a really good way to, to think about it. And it really, I think, shows what Pure is doing here. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I, I love it. Yeah. Yep. And then on the high end, you know, they've got the um, what do they call it? The direct, uh, the direct flash. I think it's yeah. called. Or, yeah. No, direct memory. Direct, direct memory. Cache. Direct, direct memory, memory cache. cache. Yeah. Um, sorry, this stuff is brand new to us too. And um, again, that I think that expands their market into higher end. Uh, frankly, I think that that one's the cooler announcement, but it's the less important announcement because this is a very, it's a much smaller market. Yeah, it, it feels like an incremental increase. Like that, that's the trouble that Pure has because they, their position is at that leading performance edge. They have to keep putting something at the top end of their array line to maintain that position as the leading performance vendor. So when something like Optane comes around, they have to bring out a product with it. So I want, you know, 
we're going to have to wait for another cool technology like Optane to arrive before they start dropping one in at that high level, unless DRAM or SRAM gets cheaper, which I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think it's important to note too that this is, even though it says direct memory cache, they're actually using uh, Optane SSD, not Optane uh, DIMM. Yep. So it's not maybe what I thought it was when they announced it because of the, the M word, but even so, I mean, they're saying that it accelerates performance by 10x, um, maybe. Uh, yeah. They're also, you know, they were also talking about SAP HANA and how this basically allows you to run it on a conventional SAP with the performance of HANA, um, which was, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but the, it, the other one was, I think it's 65% cheaper than running it as if you were running it in RAM. So yeah. you can get nearly as good performance. You take a little bit of a performance hit compared to just running it in RAM, but it's 65% cheaper. So a bunch of people who want to run this kind of workload are probably going to start, like, it wouldn't have been cost effective for them to do it on systems filled with RAM. Now they will get the sales from people who wanted to do those workloads but couldn't afford it before. Now they can. Now suddenly those projects will get up and they'll make a bunch of sales. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a decent, decent yep. thing. And then the third thing that we had was the Cloud Block Store. Yeah, that's actually, like, I look at it and they explained how they've actually done it and they're treating AWS like hardware components. So all of the software bits, like the instance types and S3 and EBS, they considered those, when they wrote the software, they've basically taken Purity and, and put that into the cloud, and they've treated the AWS components like they were hardware from one of their vendors, which is very different to the way other people have tried to put software in the cloud. They basically made it into a virtual appliance, and then you just run it in an EC2. This is quite different, and as when they explain the architecture, it's going, that's a really neat hack the way they've done it. Yeah. But it's it's more than a hack, it is actually a real thing and it's it's totally usable. Yep, absolutely. I mean well, I, I don't know that. You don't know that. We haven't actually, you know, hands on with it, but it sounds great. Well, they've, it sounds like a really nice product. They've had people, they've, they've had customers who have been using it for about 12 months in like private beta, so it's now GA. So they clearly think that it's a real thing and and are willing to put it out there for yep. anybody to go use. It would be really dumb to do that with something which is not actually going to live up to what they've said it will do. Yeah, um, don't know about the performance though. That's the one thing that I haven't really been able to get a handle on as to how will that actually perform. Um, it's being sold as you can manage it and it'll look like the, the same as your physical on-site arrays. But the thing with Pure is it's mostly about performance. So I'm keen to find out what is the performance of this thing and they, they are saying that it's highly workload dependent. Okay, fine. I'd like to start seeing some actual performance numbers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's just like the the, the Flash Array C. Um, you know, this thing is really a full-on, you know, it's, pure it's array, pure array. Yep. except it is natively running on Amazon infrastructure. So, um, so that's cool. I do agree with you. There's a performance question. Um, there's also the sort of the functionality question of do is this a product people want in the cloud? Yeah. And we don't know that yet. Yep. Especially, do they want it in the Amazon cloud? Frankly, I would be much more excited about this in the uh, Azure cloud. Yeah, well, they're sort of foreshadowing that they will be going to Azure when customers demand it. I mean, most, most of the people are using cloud type things, particularly for like test dev things. A lot of those are in AWS. Mm. Azure is growing really fast though, so I, I would expect them to announce Azure as the next version of this. But because of the way it's architected, they're going to have to build it out of Azure components in the same way they build it out of AWS components. So that's, so gonna take that's some work. harder to do than just shipping a virtual appliance. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to take some time. So it sounds like we're hearing lots of interest in direct memory cache, flash RAC, and lots of excitement around those two. 
lots of interest to see what the future of Cloud Block Store is. It's a, it's a very new product, kind of the only thing in its class, so we aren't sure what that's going to look like yet and how it's going to perform and how customers are going to use it. The other two are pretty clearly and obvious use, use cases and yep. segments. So cool. And that, that should about do it for the, uh, the pure Accelerate coverage. And it will almost wrap up the IT Rundown, but before we do, Stephen and Justin, where can people find you if they want to read or hear more of your thoughts about enterprise IT? Well, you can find me online and on Twitter, it's at JP Warren, uh, or you can find uh, consulting at pivot9.com. And I'm Stephen Foskett at sfoskett on Twitter, and uh, you'll find most of my work right here at gestaltit.com. And I'm Ken Nalbone. You can find me on Twitter as at Ken Nalbone. Also, I write a lot on gestaltit.com. Also, check me out every once in a while on techfieldday.com. We'll be coming to you live from Silicon Valley next week for Cloud Field Day. Uh, that just about does it for the Gestalt IT Rundown. Remember, if you missed any of this episode, full episodes are available on the Gestalt IT Facebook page and on YouTube. Remember to catch us live on Facebook every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. For more great IT content, be sure to check out gestaltit.com. Thanks. We'll see you next time.